thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. So I'm going to have you watch a video in a minute. So I want you to tune in. This is important. It really is. We're going to talk today about love. And not just any kind of love. Love was everywhere this week. I always love it. For all the holidays, there's more stuff for Valentine's Day right by the registers at Target than any other time of the year. I actually couldn't get to the registers because they had all these shelves set up. Did anybody else go to Target and see this? That's actually there for guys. It's a reminder. They actually have to trip over the stuff to get to the register. If they're sent there on some mission, if they're sent there... Now, if, you're, if you've seen any videos out there for the Target husbands that sit out in the parking lot, they're supposed to go inside and they're supposed to walk through and see there's something they're forgetting. There's something they're not doing. And it's right there to remind them. That's the kind of love that our world lifts up. There's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, you know, we want to keep the candy companies and card companies in business. It's okay. I don't have a problem with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the kind of love that God's Word talks about, it's a deeper love. It's a much deeper love than what we're talking about. It's rich with reward and possibility. It it permeates our lives as Christians. It's something that's supposed to transform us. It's supposed to define us as God's people. Becoming more like Jesus is understanding that we have a deep and abiding, a continual calling to love. To love others. Those in here and those out there in the world around us. When you think about love and you think about being a follower of Jesus, adopting a life that is like His, that is filled with different goals, different agendas, different practices than a lot of what we may see in life around us. When you think about that life, the first thing or one of the first things that probably comes to your mind is love. This makes sense to us. It's something we understand. It's something that God reminds us, shows us, teaches us in Scripture again and again. 310 times we're told, we're reminded, we're commanded, exemplified, lifted up to us that we are supposed to love. Not just the kind of love that is sappy or or fun or cute, but that deep love. Who showed that love to you in your life? As a parent or grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, a coach, a a neighbor, an aunt or an uncle, a a scout leader, teacher at school, who was it that showed you that love, that deeper love, that kind of love that we're talking about? Maybe it was even a stranger. Sometimes because of how God works, that love will bubble up in the most unexpected of places. It'll get our attention because it seems so out of perspective from what we expected. Wow, I didn't expect that at all. Maybe it's even a stranger. Sometimes in those moments, those most unexpected places, love is revealed to us. One thing I can promise you, we know that kind of love, that deeper love. We know it when we see it. But that God-inspired, that biblical love, it, what exactly is it? Well, the Bible uses four core words, four main terms to define love. 
And of all places, you may have seen those recently in a commercial at the Super Bowl. Anybody see the Super Bowl commercial for this? We're going to look at that this morning. And interestingly, in that commercial, they place these words in pretty decent biblical context. They describe it as ancient Greek, but actually the words used to describe love in this commercial are the biblical, the Koine Greek, the New Testament Greek words that are used to describe love. Because Greek is a very specific language, there is detail in it, and there are four different levels of love. And as you see these levels of love described, you see how they draw deeper, how they're more costly. Let's watch that commercial here. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge, the kind you have for a grandparent or a brother. Third, there's eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, I love you. The fourth kind of love is different. It's the most admirable. It's called agape. Love as an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, strength. For 175 years, we've been helping people act on their love so they can look back or look ahead and say, we got it right. We did good. Okay, just a disclaimer, I'm not part of New York life. They're not giving me any money for doing that or anything like that, just so you guys know. But Look at that commercial. Think about what that says. Isn't it amazing what that commercial, what an insurance company got right. That was actually one of the least popular commercials in the Super Bowl, sadly. Think about that. An insurance company discerns and wants to make sure that you and I understand the proper, the deeper understanding of how to love. And they pretty much nail the concepts. They really do. Be good at life. Love takes action. But the one thing, it sounds really nice what they did, the one thing, but we need to dig a little deeper in this. Because while they described that love pretty well in the biblical context, it's pretty amazing. Wasn't the imagery powerful? In that, but they failed to identify the source, the engine, the fuel that is needed for that deeper kind of love. Because doing good, loving, putting that love into action, loving like that commercial tells us to do in those deeper ways, it can seem almost impossible for us at times. Times when you and I are worn out by the grind week after week, when people want to talk to you before you had coffee or adequate rest or a decent bagel or whatever you're into. Those times when people want to talk to you. I don't consume caffeine anymore. I'm like this naturally. I know that's terrifying to you. But if you're that person and you talk to someone before they've had caffeine, don't you know? Because someone that you know deeply loves you looks at you with homicidal intent in that moment, right? We know that. But whatever it is, whatever wears us down, whatever we struggle with when we need to love people, sometimes we recognize that deeper, that committed, that active kind of love, that agape love, it's hard. 
Did you notice there even the commercial how it gets deeper? First you have the, the love it's called phileo love or friendship love. And we get that kind of love. It's something we can understand. Sometimes it's hard and your friends can make you upset. But loving someone in a friendly way, in a, an outgoing way, it's something here in the Midwest we get. Have you ever talked to somebody at the checkout? Who you don't know, but you talk to him like a friend. Wow, you've got some cool stuff in your cart. What is that? People do that to me all the time. What is that weird stuff you're eating? It looks like death. Well, actually, it's good for you. And they're like, ah, I'd rather die than eat that. And I'm like, oh, well, I tried. Okay. Phileo love, the sharing love, the compassionate, the being nice. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it comes easy. What about that storge love? The love we have for a parent or grandparent, that honoring love, that familial love that we can have described in the commercial. Most of us, even if we have a bad relationship with someone who we should have that love with, a family member, a friend, a grandparent, whoever it is, we probably have someone. I bet you all have someone you love that way. You respect them. You have that deeper love for them. There's a connection there. Maybe it's a blood connection. It might be just a spiritual connection. They're like your family. You love them like family. We know that kind of love. And we love them. See, this is a deeper commitment because they have flaws. We know some of their warts and all kind of things. But we love them anyhow, right? We, that's a deeper commitment. It's harder. We have that kind of love. And then we have that eros love. That attraction, that romantic, that erotic kind of love from which we get that word, that word that we love. And it's funny because in our culture, this is often seen as the ceiling, the pinnacle of love, isn't it? This is the pinnacle. Why is that? It's the pinnacle because it provides instant gratification. It fires up those receptors in our brains and it really makes us just feel better in the moments. At least for a moment, we feel worthwhile. We may feel fulfilled. We like erotic love because it makes us instantly feel better about ourselves and our lives. We get something right away. That's usually how it works. But that love can quickly be skewed or even vanish when it's out of bounds of what God calls us into. It can hurt us. It can hurt others. It can be very destructive. We learned about that last week when Rahab Ministries was here. When that love is out of the proper context, it can be very destructive. And our culture, for whatever reason, likes to make this love the ceiling because of what it instantly gives us. It tells us it's the deepest and most desired kind of love. And that's not a new thing. It doesn't matter if you're listening to pop radio and Billie Eilish comes on or you're listening to classical Baroque music and architecture and you're looking at the art of that time. There are all kinds of things in there that always depicted this idea of erotic love. It's nothing new. It's something that we just, we sit on it for whatever reason. But that love... It doesn't always provide. It's not the deepest form of love. It can be very intimate. It can be very rewarding. It can be very wonderful. But it's still not the deepest form of love. It's not. The deepest love is this commercial gets to properly. That seems sometimes above the ceiling of even what we recognize or our perspective. Agape love. The most powerful love. What the commercial didn't say about the source is this is the love that is at the core of who God is. It emanates from his character. 
It is the depth of his soul and being. Who God is. God is spirit. God is love. We like to say that, but do we really think about what it means? This is the source of all this love. This deepest love of all these loves is God. How we know it. How we understand it. The, the love God has for us. The love that God tells us we are to have for each other. It comes from his power. It comes from his person. And it looks like he does. This agape love looks like Jesus Christ. Who he is. How he lived. What he's done. What he's now doing. And if you see it, even though they didn't mention Christ, they accurately portrayed it without even mentioning him. He was everywhere in it. The very old couple that was just laying there holding hands, they have moved beyond those other realms of love, haven't they? They had that sense of presence as God's Spirit is with us. The man helping the older man who cannot care for himself in the bath with dignity, with mercy, with honor, with humility, with intimacy, probably a grandfather or a father, we don't know, in that situation. But it transcended all those other loves, and it was this deeper love, wasn't it? We're going to briefly look here. We're going to look here just for a few minutes at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. We're going to draw ourselves into this deeper kind of love. And as you think about love, the kind of love we associate with God, with Christ that he modeled, that deeper kind of love. Two questions we're going to look at briefly. What does this Christian love, this Christ-like love, feel like? What, is it, what does it mean when we experience it, when we know it? What does that love really mean? And the second one is that love, that deeper love. How does that manifest? What does it look like when it manifests in our lives, inside these walls, in this community of faith, and outside in the world around us? We're going to look at that today. So if you want to follow along with us in your Bibles that you have in your seats, you can do that. We're going to look at this passage, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And that passage can be found on page 1084 in your Bibles, or it'll be up here on the screen. So let's look at this, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love is revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his son as the world's savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. And this love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. 
There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Wow. That is a powerful passage of Scripture because it lays it out in the simplest of terms, but it can seem like the most difficult thing for us to do. So in verses 7 through 9 there, we see a clear depiction of love. And we're going to answer that first question. What does this Jesus kind of love look like? It's subtle, it's relentless, and it's unchanging. First, it's subtle because it never demands anything. It never just says, hey, if you don't, it doesn't do that. It's not like that. It calls us. It seeks us. It it beckons us. It, It almost woos us. It just says, hey, here I am. Always the same. Always loving. Unlike that quick hit or eros kind of love or the casualness of a phileo love, unlike that storge, that honoring kind of love where there's expectations and there's some sense of, well, you know, this person earns this this way. They just deserve it. This love goes beyond all those things. It, it doesn't deny them all, but it goes beyond them. This deeper love. When we know it, when we experience it consistently, undeniably, as God just continually says, here I am, I'm here, I love you, I'm with you, I'm calling you. When we have that kind of love, something changes inside of us, the kind of love that Jesus showed us. When we experience that kind of love, we cannot miss it because it's so unlike the way that we love, that deeper, that agape, that present, that continual, here I am, I love you. God's love has nothing to do with our love. It's consistent. It's relentless. He seeks us when we're obedient. He seeks us when we are unfaithful. He welcomes us like the father welcomes his two sons, whether they're working really hard to show that they deserve it or whether they're prodigal and they've run far away. But that love, it changes us. Even though that love is unchanging, because of that, because it's unflinching, because it's relentless, it changes us it's hard for us sometimes it ruffles our feathers to think about that god loves us even when we don't do anything right and we think well god doesn't love us the same as he loves those people maybe you're hard on yourself god loves those people more maybe you think good of yourself well god loves me more than he loves those people but god is consistently saying to the world i love you i'm here i want you to know me I want you to be my child. Take a look at the guy in the photo here. Think about that. The gentleman in the photo up here on the stage. God loves us. God changes us. God's at work in our hearts. He wants us to be more like him. He wants to transform us. He doesn't just leave us we do whatever we want, but he loves us even when we're doing whatever we want. He loves us even when we're broken. When I see this guy on the screen, when I see people like this, My tendency 
is not to love them. My tendency is to judge them and figure that something's wrong with them and they're getting a little bit of what they deserve. Have you ever done that? I'd like to tell you I haven't done that. I was raised in a very strict home with very, very strong responsibility instincts. I was loved, but I was expected that I was going to perform. And if I didn't perform, I felt like I wasn't worth loving. And so when other people don't do what I think they should do, sometimes I can struggle to think, well, you know what? Must, they must be doing wrong. They need to be doing better so they can be loved too. But that's not what God's word says here. Let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If I'm born of God, I'm supposed to be able to love. The one who does not love does not know God. We know that love God's talking about. It was revealed among us, verse 9. God sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. And part of that living is loving that way. Did this guy maybe do some things that broke his life? Maybe he did. Maybe it's all his fault. Maybe it's not his fault at all. But regardless of that, I'm not supposed to love him because of what he's done or not done. I'm supposed to love him because God loves me. If you know God, you know love. What kind of love are we talking about? This week I have a little passage there from the book of Hosea where God responds. Hosea is a prophet back in the Old Testament. And so God comes to him and says, I want to show my people who aren't being faithful to me what love looks like. They're not doing anything right. So you're going to go out and marry Gomer. Now, despite being an unfortunate name, Gomer was also a prostitute. Again, I thought of this passage. I studied this book when I was in seminary extensively. Just on my own, we had to pick a book to do a big study on. I, I chose Hosea. I thought, this book I don't know a lot about. It's a rough book, you guys. So, Gomer is a prostitute, and Hosea is told, hey, go marry this woman. Not a great career move for a pastor. He does it, and he loves her, and he brings her in. He makes an honest woman of her, whatever you want to call it, ladies. No offense meant there with that. He, they, they form a family. They have Three children. And for whatever reason, Gomer decides that she doesn't want that world. Maybe it's dysfunction. Maybe it's brokenness. Maybe it's something else. I, I, I don't know. But she is unfaithful. She goes back to the life she was in and abandons Hosea and her children. Yet God says to Hosea, even though he's distraught, he's destroyed, he's gutted inside, and God says, Go and take her back. In fact, she has sold herself into slavery. Her life's even worse than it was before. She's made even worse decisions. She's even in a worse situation. Go and love her and bring her back. That's a hard story in Scripture. But that's the love that God has for us. Hosea loves and redeems and rescues her from destruction. From a destruction that she actively sought in her life. And he loved her anyhow. He loved her anyhow. That's this deepest love that goes beyond 
the depths of phileo or eros or storge. That's servant love. It's not love that is seen in cause and effect. It's subtle. It's not the love that we see when everybody gets what they want. It's not the love we just understand because it isn't actually a thing or all. That love is deeper. It's a spiritual love. It's a love that pours out the depths of us. It's a love we understand through the person of Jesus Christ. In our passage, look at verses 10 through 16 here. Verses 10 through 13 here first. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice, to pay the price for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him. And He in us, He has given us His Spirit. That agape love, think about that, has nothing to do with us. We're like Gomer, we're off chasing what we want, off doing it because we're just a mess and we're running away from God and all the while still, He loves us better, fuller and more completely than we could ever deserve, than we could ever understand. That's the love God has for us, complete love. Speaking of that, verse 11, there's no room for anything here but complete acceptance. Verse 11 Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. There's nothing in here that gives any other translation, any other wiggle room. How is that possible? With you and I to love someone that way is 1,000% impossible. We cannot do this ourselves. We can't. God is not calling us into some destruction, dysfunctional relationship. What happened with Hosea, God was using him as a metaphor for that love. He was demonstrating what his love is with Israel. That's not a call for us to have a dysfunctional and destructive relationship. God is not calling you into an abusive relationship. God is not calling you to stay in an abusive relationship. But God is saying, even when we abuse his love, he still loves us. And if he loves us that way... We must understand that and we must care and love for other people. We must show compassion and mercy. It doesn't mean we're there to get destroyed. That's not healthy. That's not what we're talking about. But are we really seeking to actively love people? I think a lot of times we're not. We can't love. It's a thousand percent impossible unless we have God's spirit to empower us, to guide us, to be him. You know, that love that God wants, that love that God gives, when we have a spirit, when we have that in our lives, when it's changed us, we can't help but want to love other people. When God walks you down the street and you see somebody and God says, smile at that person. You ever have that happen in your spirit where God just says, smile at that person? Now, I know some of you don't like to smile. But you do it, don't you? When God says to you in your heart, ask that person how their day is. And if you're like me, sometimes it's the last thing you want to do. You're kind of, I don't want to do it, but you do that. See, that love, God's Spirit empowers you. The Spirit described in 13, verse 13, we want to do that. We want to give. We want to love. We want to reach out because we know that love that God has given us. 
It's love that's not transactional. We don't get something from it. We just give it because God has already given us everything we could ever need. It's not merit-based. We don't do anything to earn it. It's love that goes beyond any of that. Love that is based on merit isn't really love. It's just transactional. It's a reward. It's a deal where somebody gets what they want. The love that God's calling us to, it's not a business transaction. It's love just because God loves us. It's love that we give away. We don't get anything back. That's the kind of love God's calling us to. And that gives us a clue as to how we answer our second question. It means that we know love. We know Jesus. We understand love. And when we have that burning desire, when God gets a hold of us, we will love people even when it seems very unlovely to do that. That's throughout God's word what he does. He says you just love people. Because I'm going to pour that love into you by my spirit and you're going to pour it out of you into other people. Now, does that mean that we let people walk all over us? I'm not going to give you a simple pat answer. I've seen people say, well, I can't forgive anybody unless they tell me they know they need forgiven. I don't see that in God's word. Well, I just can't let go of that, and you can't make me. You're right, I can't. But if you know God and you know his love, and you know he loves you, whether you're down or up, whether you're doing right or whether you're doing wrong, do you want to hold on to that love? Because that love or that hate, that hurt, that anger, if that love is in you, there's no room in your heart for both that love that God describes here and that hate and that hurt that you may be carrying around. Both of them can't fit. They are completely opposed substances. That doesn't mean you may not need to work through that. It doesn't mean that what happened to you wasn't wrong. But God wants you to know that he wants you to love people. And that means sometimes you have to draw a line and say, you know what, I love you, but what you want to do in this situation is not loving, it's wrong. You have to pray about that. You have to seek godly counsel about that. There are unhealthy paradigms where somebody says, well, if you love me, you just give me what I want. But that's not love. That's transaction. The kind of love God's describing is deeper. So how do you do it? How do we do it? Verses 14 and 15. And we have seen and we testify the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him. That's spirit. God remains. God fuels our lives. Verse 16, there's a sense of expectations. God's love is given to you. You have this love so you can give it away. God's going to fuel you. He's going to even heal you if that's what you need so that you can love other people. And in that sense, the love we're talking about is just what the commercial said. It's love as action. What's that love look like? It looks like action. It sustains us. It uses us. It draws us in. That's the love that we're talking about. That's the love that God is describing to us. How do we know that love is at work? How do you know? Well, how am I? Okay, I get what this love is. I know I'm supposed to love people. It's going to hurt sometimes. doesn't mean I'm somebody's doormat. doesn't mean I'm in a destructive relationship. But it does mean I'm going to pour out love, not because I'm getting anything, but because God just loves me. And I'm just going to have his power pouring through me. I'm going to seek after him. I'm going to throw that love out to the world around me. I'm going to shovel that love out as fast as I can. How do, I know I'm, I'm, how do I know I'm on that? How do I know I'm getting that? How do I know I'm doing it? Two basic trends. Number one, you feel that completely 
that complete satisfying, completely you are in God's presence, you feel that satisfying sense of his perfect love. How do you know that you have that love, that you're pouring it out? Because perfect love will cast out all fear. Isn't that interesting how that turns? Kind of tells us that when we don't love, we're afraid. Why don't you want to love someone you're afraid to love sometimes? Because fear will keep us from reaching out. Because what happens in a world broken when you reach out sometimes? Get hurt. Notice it doesn't say we won't have fear. It just says that when we have fear, that love, that spirit, that abiding sense of God loves us no matter what, that God seeks us out, that God woos us, that God is relentlessly, continuously loving us, that sense of God's love, when it's with us, it will drive out the fear that holds us back from loving other people. God loves you like Hosea loved Gomer, who went back for her, not because she had to change her heart, not because she got cleaned up and got all together, but because he loved her. And that's how God loves you. God loves you in this relentless, unbelievable way. And when God loves you like that, when God reaches you like that, when God touches you like that, he changes your heart. And because your heart is changed, because there's not room for both that love and that other stuff, that fear, that hatred, that anger, that stuff that's inside of you, that love is going to push that out. It's going to go away. You will have that sense of God's complete presence. That's the first thing. That's the first thing it says here. And the second thing, the second thing in this passage, it tells us, it tells us that if we love God, we're going to love our brother and sister. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. It's so clear. The second thing is, not just that you won't be afraid, that you're going to love people just because you will. If you're loving people, not because you're going to get anything out of it, just because you know it's what God has called you to do, you're getting this. You're loving like a servant. If you know that that fear, that anger, that hurt, that other stuff, you know that's in your way and you're going to work to get that out of your life because you want more of what God's giving you in your life. If you have that, when you see other people that need it, you are going to want to love them. It's just going to ooze out of you. It's just going to come out of you. But we understand what this passage says as we go into these levels of love. We understand it's costly. It's messy. It's unpredictable. The question is, do we want to love that way? Do we want to love that way? Do we want to love the way that Jesus loved? Do we want to have that servant kind of love? As a church, as we're looking at being servants this year, do we want to love that way? I was talking to some people this week. It's one of my favorite books. C.S. Lewis has a book, The Four Loves. It's very wordy. It's a C.S. Lewis book. But look what it says here. C.S. Lewis, who knew love, who knew anger, who knew loneliness and isolation, who loved a woman and walked alongside her, his wife Joy, and then she passed away from cancer. He knew love. He knew loss. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, 
You must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe and dark and motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Friends, the vehicle of the gospel, the purpose of God's presence in our lives, the reason we're here is so that we can share that undeniable, life-transforming, light-bringing, servant, Jesus Christ-rooted love. But just as Christ came and lived on this earth as one of us, Make no mistake, the love that we are called to, the love that transcends all that our world knows, that agape love, that abiding, God-present love, it does make us vulnerable. But without it, our lives are dead. They're dark. They're hardened. They're empty. Will we love as Jesus loved, and be God's servants? That's the question for us. Let's pray. Father, that we would know what it means to love like you, to care like you, to belong to you, to be your children. Lord, draw us in. Use us this day, we pray, that we would know what it means to love in that deeper way that goes beyond friendship, that goes beyond family, that goes beyond intimacy to that deepest level, that abiding sense of your presence that changes us, that drives all those inferior things out of us. That when we're afraid, when we look at ourselves and we worry about ourselves, we know how Christ came and gave his whole life for us. And we have that sense of your presence where you give your whole life and you're with us, you're in us, that you empower us, that we would love selflessly, recklessly, powerfully, that we would be your servants and love like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand as we sing, I Stand Amazed. Oh, oh. 
And now, friends, go into all the world. Render to no one evil for evil, but strengthen the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Love and serve the Lord your God. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.